First John chapter 1. I was uh, up in Abilene yesterday and happened to be by myself. I was kind of running around by myself, so I, I'm going to do what I do when I'm by myself. I'm going to go to a Chinese restaurant because my wife doesn't necessarily care for Chinese food. And I love to go to a buffet because I feel like I'm going to get my money's worth, you know. I always, they lose money on me, I promise you, they lose money on me. If I had to make myself sick, they were going to lose money on me. But I remember I was there, and I was uh, watching this family. I had a young couple, and this, their kids were over there, and they kept looking out the window. They kept looking out the window, and the kids were pointing and looking out the window, and I was thinking, what are y'all looking at? And I, I finally was looking over there, and I kind of caught on that they were looking. There was some, a cat outside that window. The cat out in the parking lot was out in that window, and I was thinking, run, run, run. You better run, cat. You better run. And... Uh, they're like, oh, I can hear them talking, oh, la, 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 you're talking about the cat and everything else. And then uh, they're like, we can't take that cat home and blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, you're going to take him home in your belly because his brother's right there on your plate in front of you. <laughs> That's all you Chinese food haters that think that they're putting cat in there. They might be, they might be cat, but boy, it's good. I like the way, I like the way they saute it up. Mm-hmm. All right, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. For life was manifest and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that, uh, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And verse 4 is kind of what I want to focus on this morning. And we're going to kind of center this whole uh, morning on this verse 4. And these things write we unto you. Why did you write, John? Why did you write this unto us? That your joy may be full. That your joy may be full. I want to preach this morning on that your joy that your joy may be full. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just come to you humbly. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, Lord, I, I, I recognize, Lord, and understand that I'm a nobody, Lord, and if it's not for your spirit, Lord, I couldn't do anything I do, Lord, and I pray, Father, that you would use me this morning, Lord, and that it would be like a, a holy words coming out from you, Father. It wouldn't be from me. And, Father, I pray, Lord, that uh, you would feed us this morning, Lord, like holy manna coming down from heaven, Father, that it would be like living waters that we could... Some of us are in here dry, Lord. We need some water, Lord. We need to be... Uh, uh, we need something to drink, and Father, I pray you give it to us, and Lord, I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will move among us, and Lord, I thank you for our, our salvation we have in Jesus Christ. I thank you for the precious blood of Jesus Christ, Lord, and I thank you that, it's, that our salvation comes by grace, Lord, and not by works, and I thank you for all these many promises we find in your book, Lord God, but help us to understand this chapter of 1 John that we're reading through this morning, Lord God, and I pray, Father, we can glean something out of it, Lord, that can help us through the rest of this week, Lord God, that we could walk a better walk with you. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray, amen. So let's go back up to verse 1. Go back up to verse 1. Let's, let's break this down a little bit. That which was from the beginning, that's Jesus Christ. That which, that which, he's referring to the Lord Savior Jesus Christ. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard. Now notice, guys, let's stop there for a second. So many people, including me, have this opinion of what Jesus Christ looks like, what Jesus Christ would say, how Jesus Christ would act. Why don't we go to the man that actually has heard Jesus Christ with his very ears? Amen? See that? Which we have heard. 
which we have seen with our eyes. He's seen him with his very eyes. He's heard Jesus Christ speaking. And Jesus Christ, when he speaks, he's not like any other man you've ever heard. Ever. You know what they wanted to arrest Jesus Christ? I love to tell this story because I love this story in the Bible. But they went to arrest Jesus Christ. They sent the officers, the temple officers. They went to go arrest Jesus Christ. And then the officers came back to the temple and they didn't have Jesus Christ. And the temple priest said, where's Christ? Where's Jesus of Nazareth? You know what, the, you know what he said to him? What the, the, uh, the temple police said to him? Never a man spake like this man. <laughs> They got up there, and they got together, they had their spears, they had their swords, we're going to arrest him. They show up there, and Jesus Christ is just speaking the words that he spoke, and they're like, uh, John, I think I'll just leave him alone today. What about you? Yeah, let's go back. Let's just go on back. They want no part of him. Hey, never, never a man spake like this man. And John says, I heard it. I heard it with my very ears. He says, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes. This is the John that saw Jesus Christ transfigured, glowing like the sun on the Mount of Transfiguration. When they walked up there and he seen Jesus Christ, he seen Moses on one side and he seen Elijah on the other. And Jesus Christ started glowing like the sun. And he heard the voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son. Hear ye him. Yeah. He said, I've seen it. I've seen Jesus Christ. I've seen him glorified with my own eyes, which we have looked upon. And look, and our hands have handled. What's so special about John? John is the beloved disciple. If you read the Gospel of John, which is just the same John that wrote the Gospel of John, he is described as leaning on Jesus' breast. He said the very, our hands have handled him. So when you would eat back in the day, you know, the Lord's Supper picture by Leonardo da Vinci, it's not very accurate historically because I have him sitting at a table like we would at, you know, like some kind of Eastern European feast or something like that. They would lounge on these little bit, they had a little bit, we'd call it a coffee table, and they would lounge on these cushions and stuff, and they would lounge, and that's how they would eat like this. They'd kind of be lounging. Oh, that's a lot better to get the food down that way too, don't you think? I should have done that yesterday when I was at that Chinese food, just, just laid in the floor. Just bring me some more of that right here, you know. Get as much as I can in. Because when you're sitting down, you're kind of scrunched up. And they would lean and they'd reach over. So what, what it says that John was at the breast of Jesus Christ. So Jesus would be here and you would naturally kind of be at angles like this around the table. So Jesus would be here and then John was right there, right here. I mean, he's, could, how amazing is that? To think about that John had that access to Jesus. He was so close that Peter asked John, hey, ask him who it is that's going to that's betray you. Because Peter couldn't get to Jesus because John was in between them. Amazing. He says, I handle him. Who do you handle? The word of life. Yeah. Were y'all reading that song we were singing? We were just singing that Christmas song and it talked about how Jesus Christ is the very words of God manifested in the flesh. That's why we sing old hymns in this church. Because they're biblically based. They're based on what you could read and find and study in your Bible. That's what makes them so amazing. A lot of this new Christian music, it's just, it's just it's dry. It, you know, if you ever want to, why, why is it, it's, it's not, don't, have, don't have a lot of spirituality to it. The reason why is because it's not Bible based. And when you get into the Bible and you see these songs that's written about that, so when uh, we, we, he says he's the word of life, you turn to Genesis 1.1, what's the first thing God did? It said, God said, let there be light. 
Let there be light. God said. That's Jesus Christ. That's Him speaking in Genesis 1. But it says here that He is the Word of life. Verse 2, for the life was manifested. And we have seen it. And bear witness. Manifested. It was manifested. It says of Jesus Christ, it says that He was God manifest in the flesh. 1 Timothy 3.16 John has given us those witnesses. He's talking about him being manifest in flesh. It wasn't that the life was manifest. It wasn't talking about, he's not talking about that some man was just born in the world. When he says it, look at it, look at it, let's read it. For the life was manifested. The life. You want life? You want eternal life? It's found in Jesus Christ. It was manifested in the Lord Jesus Christ when the Word became Human, the Word became flesh. In the beginning was the Word. The Word became, the word was, uh, word was with God and the Word was God. That's the Word, Jesus Christ. And John's trying to get all that, all that, he's trying to get your mind on that. He's trying to get you to wrap your mind around this Jesus Christ. And he wants to do something for you. He wants to show you something. He wants to declare something to you. And he wants to write something unto you. So let's find this out. Look at verse 2. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it. Bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life. He wants to show you Jesus Christ. He wants to show you Jesus Christ. That's why he's writing this stuff unto you. Because I'm right, I want to show you Jesus Christ. Why? That you might have eternal life. That's the whole reason we do this. That's the whole reason we have these doors open. We love to get in here and fellowship. We love to have uh, sing praises to Jesus Christ. But guys, if we're not winning souls, if we're not changing lives for the glory of Jesus Christ, we're wasting our time. We should come in here wanting to grow, wanting to uh, have a closer walk with Jesus Christ, find out more about Him, do those things that are pleasing in His eyes. We're not here just to have a social gathering, right? And the thing is, he says, I want to show you that, that eternal life. And he says that like he's pointing right at him. I want to show you that eternal life. Not that there's many ways to have eternal life. It's Jesus Christ. He's that eternal life. It's Jesus Christ. Verse 3, that which we have seen and heard. The second thing he wants to do, he wants to declare it unto you. Declare we unto you. There's some, something he wants to declare unto you. He wants to declare unto you Jesus Christ. Why? That ye also, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. What's declare mean? Declare means to make clean, to make clear, to make plain, to say, I want to make something plain to you. You need Jesus Christ. And if you know Jesus Christ, we can have fellowship one with another. Amen. Through our Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Do you realize that... Uh, People in here, do you got black brothers and sisters? You've got Asian brothers and sisters? You've got Middle Eastern brothers and sisters? You've got Jewish brothers and sisters? We've got brothers and sisters in Christ we've never met. We're not going to meet till we get to heaven. Do you know we got brothers and sisters around the world that are being killed for the testimony of Jesus Christ? And that, should, that, should, that should hurt you. That should bother you. That should bother you that when, you know, they made a big deal about them pulling out of Afghanistan. And I don't know all the details. I mean, I just know enough that don't sound like things went right. But I'll tell you this, what worried me was my Christian brothers and sisters in Afghanistan that are left behind, that love Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, they're under a regime that doesn't love Jesus Christ. 
I've heard stories about they're going along and asking them to show me your phone, show me your phone. And, and the Afghanistan, if they showed them the phone, if they had a Bible app, if they had a Bible app on their phone, they would kill them right there on the spot. You can't have a Bible in Afghanistan. Amen? You can't have a Bible. But everybody has a cell phone all over the world, right? And in the secrecy of your home when nobody's watching you, you can download that app, the Holy Bible, and read it for yourself. They don't like that. But we can have fellowship with, we, we may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And verse 4, and these things write we unto you. Why? Why are you writing to us these things? Why are you writing these things to us, John? That your joy may be full. That your joy may be full. So I got a question with, for you this morning before we go much further. Do you have full joy? Is your joy full? Or are you like half full? Three quarters full? Can you say I have full joy? You may have full joy. Amen? It's not something that's not attainable. Brothers and sisters, this is not something that's not attainable. This is something attainable for everybody in this room. You can have full joy. And he's writing to you that your joy may be full. Maybe you're out there this morning and you say, well, I'm just about half empty, brother. <laughs> Amen? I'm just about half empty. Let me, let me, let, I'm not trying to step on your toes, but let me say something to you. You should never say it's half empty. It's half full. Amen. No Christian. No Christian. I don't care what kind of condition you're in. You might be as backslidden as backslidden is. And you say, brother, I'm just, yeah, you're, you're not half empty, brother. You're half full. God's always wanting to fill you. You're not going the other way. There might be some things going the other way, but that's because God's not in your life. But you're not half empty. You're not going the other way, brother. You just need God to fill you up so you can go the other way and be full. You can have a full assurance of salvation. You can have full joy. It's your choice if you're half empty this morning. It's your choice if you're half full this morning. But every Christian should say, I'm at least half full. I'm a quarter full. I'm full. I'm going full. I'd love for y'all to be this morning and say, I'm like David in Psalms 23. My cup runneth over. And I can say that. I can tell you that my cup runneth over. And it has nothing to do with Keegan Hall. It has everything to do with Jesus Christ. And I've, I've talked to a brother the other day that has been making a big, bold, I mean, sticking his neck out for Jesus Christ right and left. You know what's amazing when you see somebody doing that? You're talking to them, you're like, yeah, I got a raise at work, and this and another. I'm like, yeah, God's going to take care of you. And he's like, my cup runneth over. And John says, your joy, that your joy may be full. So let's find out how your joy can be full. Well, we know first off from reading the verse, first three verses that your joy is not going to be full without Jesus Christ. You've got to have Jesus Christ, amen? You've got to have him. This only applies to people with Jesus Christ. If you don't have Jesus Christ, let me introduce you to him. Jesus Christ is the greatest man to ever walk on the earth. I don't care if you believe that he's the son of God or not. He is the greatest teacher to ever walk on the earth. He's the greatest healer to ever walk on the earth. He's the greatest orator, greatest speaker to ever walk on the earth. He's the kindest man to, and love, most loving man to ever walk on the earth. He's the most innocent man to ever walk on the earth. Jesus is all those things. But that doesn't help you any. Amen? That doesn't help you any at all. 
But what you need to know about Jesus Christ, as I'm trying to introduce you to him, is you need to know that he died for your sins on the cross. And that you're a sinner in here. And if you don't have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're in sin and you're on your own. The only way Jesus can help you is if you believe. Hey, it's a gift. It's a free gift. But a gift had to, has to be received. A gift can be offered and not received. Christmas time's coming around. And as Christmas, comes, come, Christmas time comes around, I know some people. They have some family members that they hate. They, they don't want to have nothing to do with. And those family members try to reach out to them. They try to give them a gift and try to make it right and try to see if they can get some forgiveness. And you know what that other family member says? I don't want their gift. I don't want nothing to do with it. Y'all know people like that? I do. Guys, that's what every unbeliever is doing. God has died on the cross for their sins, paid the payment for their sins. It's a free gift of eternal life, which we're reading about there, showing to them that eternal life. And he's, God's down from heaven, offering his son Jesus Christ as a free gift of eternal life. Just take him, just receive it. And people in the world are like, I don't want it. I don't have nothing to do with it. I'm too busy. And then they wonder why they don't have joy. Oh, they have happiness. Some of them are so happy living in the world, and they're living, and they're having so much pleasure, and they're living in sin, and then that's only for a season. And God is not mocked, so, what, for, so whatever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And when you're young, and y'all know what I'm saying in here, when you're young, more, you're living for the moon, and boy, you're living in sin, and you're doing whatever you want to do, you don't have to listen to mama, and don't have to listen to daddy, you can do whatever you want to do. And then one day you wake up, and you're like, man, this is a mess. <laughs> you pick up the phone, you go, mama, daddy, could you help me? My favorite, my favorite, my favorite, my favoriteest call of all time is when my son called me and said, you were right. <laughs> Amen. It's not because of me. It's because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He gave me that wisdom. I've lived it. I, I don't want my kids, and I know y'all don't want y'all's kids and grandkids to live in sin and know that, hey, that payday's coming. <laughs> you can't dance with the fiddler and not pay the fiddler. You've got to pay the fiddler. You've got to, guys. You've got to. It don't work that way. It's a law of the universe. You've got to pay. If you're going to play, you've got to pay. It's just a law of the universe. So let's see what John has to say. Verse 5, here we go. This is what he wants to write unto you. This then is the message which we have heard of him. This is the message which we have heard of him. This is what Jesus told him. Now, he's relaying this to you guys. He's relaying this to me. He says, this is the message we heard Jesus Christ tell us. And what's that? And declare unto you that God is light. <laughs> that don't help a lot. And in him is no darkness at all. God is light. That's the message. God is light. What does that mean, God is light? God is light. Well, you know, if you read your Bible, you know what else is light in the Bible? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said, I am the light of the world. Well, I thought God is light. John the Baptist's testimony about Jesus Christ is, He is the true light that lighteth the man, every man in the world. Jesus is the true light. Jesus Christ said, I am the light of the world. And here, here John says, he, God is light. Well, I thought Jesus was light. But John's saying that God, that Jesus Christ said, God is light. 
because they're one and the same, my friend. What you, have dealing, what you have when you're dealing with Jesus Christ, what makes him so unique than any other person that ever walked on this earth is that he's God manifest in the flesh. He's God come down. And you have atheists, you have some people, and I, I understand where their heart's coming from, but they don't think, they don't meditate on it. They're like, well, show me God, show me God. I want to see God. He's right here on these pages. His name is Jesus Christ. You remember what Jesus Christ said? I can only say what the Father says. I can only do what the Father does. You want, to know how Jesus, you want to know how God would talk? How did Jesus talk? You want to know how God would act? How did God act? That's what makes Jesus Christ special, guys. So, well, why do you believe him? Lots of people claim to be a God. There's lots of crazy, nutty people out there. Yeah, there are. There's one up in the presidency right now in the White House. There's plenty of them out there. How do you know? How do you know? Well... This one said he was going to rise again from the dead three days later. I've never seen anybody else do that. I've seen people, there's been people claim to do that, but they never did it. There was a, some, I told this story before, some prophet was a, a part of some cult, and he goes, I'm about to die, but when I die, I'm coming back to life. I'm coming back to life, and it's like he had this big, so he dies, all his followers are there, they wait a day, he doesn't come back to life. They wait two days. They wait three days. He's getting pretty stinky. So a lot of his followers left, and it was just a few followers. They waited a week. They took him. They buried him, and they still believed, <laughs> and he never came up. Guys, this ain't that. This is the man that said, I'll rise again on the third day, and that'll be the sign for the whole world, the resurrection. It's not enough to believe in Jesus Christ. You need to believe in his death. He died on the cross for your sins. His burial, that he died. He didn't swoon. He didn't faint on the cross. It wasn't like he pretended like he was dead. He died. And they took a spear to make sure he's dead, and they thrust it in his side. And the, the, the Roman centurion said, I've seen blood and water come out mixed. He's dead. Take him down. Bury him. And they were worried that they were going to come and steal the body of Jesus Christ. So the, the, the leaders of that time said, we need to get some centurions and we need to guard the tomb. We need to put a seal on it. We need to make sure they can't get to the body of Christ. And here comes Mary and here comes his uh, women to, uh, followers. They come up and what happens? They show up and there's the tomb rolled over. There's the tombstone rolled over and they can see into the grave. And they're like, they've, somebody's took the body. And all of a sudden, there's an angel there. And what did the angel say? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is alive. <laughs> Just like he said. And then he showed himself to 500 followers. Now, you can believe it or you cannot. Amen? It's a free world. You can believe what you're reading in here. Hey, I believe it. And when I took my faith and believed in that, I got full joy that I can't describe to you. Oh, it's wonderful joy. Now, you don't have to believe it. You can go on living in the world. But when I found this, I knew this is the best thing going right here. And Jesus Christ says, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. So all the darkness you see in the world, that's not of God. The killing, the raping, the murdering, the, all that they try to put on God. And why does God allow that? Man brought that in. That's man's sin. And Jesus Christ, through God, is trying to change that when he came down and died for those sins to cleanse it, to wash it, to make it pure so you can rise again and be clean. That's not God's fault. That's Adam's fault. Your great, great, great granddad. 
Verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. If we say that we have fellowship with him, with God, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. If you say you have fellowship with God and it's outside of the light, and we know the light is Jesus Christ, he's the true light. Amen? He's the true light, and if you, have, you say to me, I have fellowship with God, but it's not through Jesus Christ, you're a liar. You're not in fellowship with God. See, this is a different man that you're ready for. This is why they don't like us preaching about Jesus Christ. Because this man, Jesus Christ, when he came down, this is what he said. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Ooh. I have fellowship with God, but it's in through Muhammad, it's through Buddha, it's through my religious teachings. I'm a Hindu. I'm a well. You don't have fellowship with God because you're in darkness, and the only light, the true light, is Jesus Christ. Do you see what John is getting here? He's separating it out. Now, do you want full joy? I do, and I believe everybody in this room wants full joy. Well, you're going to get it in Jesus Christ, and you'll get it through this truth that you're reading here about Jesus Christ. Look at verse seven. Look at verse 7. Mm. But if we walk in the light, as he's in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. But if we walk in the light, the light is Jesus Christ. As he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Do you know there's a difference between fellowship and relationship? Relationship never changes. I have a son that was born to me. He will always be my son. I will always be his father. But fellowship is the, what changes. Sometimes I'm not happy with him. Sometimes he's not happy with me. That's the fellowship. But the relationship is still the same. Brothers and sisters, if you're in here and you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible teaches us, and Jesus said you must be born again, that the Holy Spirit came into you, and he became, you, became, you had a second birth. We were just saying about it. The second birth. You had that second birth. You're born again from a high. You have a spiritual birth. Now, in that spiritual birth, God is your Father, and you're His Son. And that's never going to change. That relationship's done. It's set in stone. It's forever. You've been adopted to the family of God. That's forever. Now, the fellowship is different. I can't promise you good fellowship. But if you'll walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood. The blood. Not the love. The blood. Not the tears. The blood. Not the miracles. The blood. <laughs> Not the teachings, not the little baby in the manger, the blood. Yeah. Not just the death on the cross, it's the blood. It's a, you got a bloody religion. I do, and it's all about the blood. Acts 28, it's God's blood. It's the blood. It's the blood. It's the blood of the Son of God hanging on the cross, shedding His, shedding His pure, innocent blood for your sins. It's the blood. There's a real famous preacher. I think his name is MacArthur. He came out and said it, it really doesn't have anything to do with the blood. It's just about the death. The important thing is the death. Well, you're lying. Because it's the blood. It's the blood. The blood of who? Of Jesus Christ. 
Not the Pope, not Muhammad, not Buddha, not the blood of bulls and goats, the blood of Jesus Christ. It can't even be your own blood. You say, well, I'll just die for my own sins. It won't work with God. You've got to have somebody innocent pay for the guilty, and you're not innocent. It's the guilty paying for the guilty. It don't work that way. To be justified in God's eyes with the law, the innocent can take the place of the guilty. Amen. So what happened on the cross? Jesus is innocent. He went there willingly. He could have had 12 legions of angels there. And he went there willingly. Why? Because he had to die for mine and your sins. And he died and paid that payment. How? With the blood. The blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ. His son. Whose son? God's son. Not his teacher, not his friend, capital S, his son, the son of God, the only begotten son of God, the only one that ever manifested out of God, Jesus Christ. It's the blood of Jesus Christ, his son. Does what? Cleanses us. Glory to God. He cleanses us. And when God cleanses something, it doesn't just make you white as snow, brothers and sisters. It makes you whiter than snow. Psalm 51, he's, he'll make you and clean you and you'll be whiter, whiter than snow. Ah. You know, when the only good thing to come out of all those bad winter storms we had last year was the beautiful snow out here. And I had brothers and sisters, uh, Brother Adams, and I think the Quigs, some people, they, came, they took pictures of the church because it was so bad I couldn't even get out here and take pictures. And they took pictures. Beautiful pictures of this church. White. It's white everywhere. White all over. And you had those bright red doors in the middle. Just beautiful. Just beautiful. And you go out here this afternoon, and you're going to walk out those doors, you can go, man, it's brown and ugly out here. That's what God does in your life. You got an ugly, brown, stained life. A soul that's ugly and dead. And God comes in. He says, I'm going to make it white as snow. I'm going to make it whiter than snow. Praise God. He's going to cleanse you from what? What do I need to be cleansed from? All. All sin. Not some. See that word all in there? That means all. Not some. Not just a little bitty sins. Not most of my sins, but the really bad sins, he's not going to cleanse me of. If I murder somebody, he can't cleanse me of that. No, the Bible says all sin. When Jesus Christ was dying for the sin of the world, he had a thief on the right side, he had a thief on... They were not on there just for stealing a couple of apples, brothers and sisters. They were murderers. They were thieves. And he's hanging on the cross, cross with Christ, and he looks at Christ and says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus Christ says, well, too bad you can't come down and get baptized. You can't go to church. I'm not going to save you. That's not what my Bible reads. My Bible reads, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. If you're willing to call out with your heart and say, Jesus, I know I'm sorry. I know I'm rotten. I know I'm no good. I know I'm a sinner, but will you please save me? He'll save you. How's he do that? Through his blood. His blood. The blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from what? All, A-L-L, all sin. Your future sins. Not just your past sins. 
Get that, brothers and sisters. When you became a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, those sins that were going to send you to hell, they've been took care of. They've been wiped. You're whiter than snow in God's eyes. You're going to heaven. You're clean. The bill has been paid for. Praise God. You can't mess it up. He's got you. You might try to mess it up. And some of us do a pretty good job of trying to mess it up. But God's not going to let you. Why won't He let me? Because you're His son. You belong to Him. What did the prodigal father, what did the prodigal son do when he came home to the father? The father ran out and he grabbed him and he hugged him and he kissed him. That father wants to do that to each one of you guys. He loves you. He loves you enough to die for you. And he can cleanse you with that blood. The blood. He can cleanse you from all sin. Now don't do verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't say, well, I don't have no sin. I'm not that bad a person. I'm pretty good. You're not. That's why you don't like this Bible, because this Bible will tell you you're not. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. Man, I'm a preacher. I'm a pastor. I have to minister to people. I, let me tell you all something. It amazes me how people come to me and say, something, something, something happened in my life, and I'm so ashamed of it, and I don't know what I'm going to do and everything else. And I tell them, Everybody has problems. Some are just better at hiding it than others. Yeah, but you don't understand, Brother Keegan, what's happened to me and what this certain, certain. <laughs> you don't understand what I'm trying to tell you. Everybody has problems. Yeah, but, but their son has never done that. Oh, yeah, really? I'm not allowed to talk about it, but everybody has problems. Some are just better at hiding it than others. You can't fool a preacher because I have to deal with all of y'all. I get the calls. I know. Don't come to me and say, well, I'm not a sinner. Let me talk to your wife and let's see what she has to say. I'm not a sinner. Let me talk to your friends and let's see what they have to say. Listen, you're self-righteous and you're a liar if you say I have no sin. You're deceiving yourself. Verse 9, if we confess our sins... He, Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. Praise God. Say, Brother Keegan, I know I'm saved. I know I've been not living out, doing things I shouldn't do. And I, I just want to get right with God. If you'll just go and confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us your sins and He'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's the God we're talking about. That's when God becomes your Father. A lot of us in here are fathers. I was going to have kids, daughters, and sons, and our kids mess up, amen? Don't they? Y'all going to admit that, or I have to say amen for you? Our kids mess up, amen? Amen, they mess up. Every one of us kids messed up. Done stuff we're ashamed of, stuff that embarrasses us, stuff we don't want to tell nobody about. But when that kid comes to you, and you might be in your living room, or wherever you might be, and they come to you, and they come slinking in, and they're just like, they got tears running down their cheek, and they're saying, Daddy, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. What do you do? Get out of my house. I'll never have anything to do with you. No, you say, it'll be okay. Son. We'll get through it. We'll get through it. It'll be okay. If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more the Father know how to give to you? That's what Jesus said. Your Father in heaven is ten times, a million times more loving than you are. And if you're His Son and you mess up, He's waiting to get you back. That's why Jesus told the story of the prodigal son. 
Because the father is looking for the son. He runs out. He hugs him. He kisses him. He said, kill the fatted calf. Let's go. Let's party. Let's have a good feast. My son who's lost is now found. He's joyful. That's the father. When you just turn a little bit and say, Lord, I shouldn't have done it and I confess my sins. He is faithful and just forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because he wants you clean. You ladies know what I'm saying? The son comes in, he's been out playing, and he's dirty and filthy. You want him clean. Let me clean you up. What is the last thing you would ever do when your son comes in filthy and dirty? Go clean yourself up. Because you know when you send them in the bathroom to clean themselves up, they're going to come out worse than they were. Then the whole bathroom's dirty, and now they're filthy still. They, didn't, they don't know how to do it. you got to do it. You're a child of God. You can't cleanse yourself. He's got to clean you. And I'm glad and faithful and happy that the Lord cleanses us. If, if, verse 10, we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word's not in us. Is his word in you? Well, I'll tell you something about me. I'm a sinner. Amen. I think things I shouldn't think. I do things I shouldn't do. And I'm not happy about it. And I'm not bragging about it. And I'm not telling you something that y'all don't already know about me. But this verse 9, hmm. See this verse 9? That's my verse right there. Because I want to boldly come to Jesus Christ and through the Father, to the Father through Jesus Christ and be able to say, Father, I'm sorry I've done that. And guys, you want to have full joy in your salvation? Do you want to have full joy? That's how you get it. Confessing your sins. And if you're not a believer, you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you need to believe in Him. It's Christmas time. Amen. It's right Christmas time. Don't tell me you're going to celebrate Christmas, but you're going to leave Jesus out. You're a hypocrite. Christ must. Christ must. Must. A mass. Christ. It has to do with Christ. It's always had to do with Christ. Just because you want to insert Santa and insert whatever you want to insert and make it about whatever you want to make it about. Let me tell you something about it. Christmas is about Jesus Christ. It's always going to be about Jesus Christ. And you love to call me a hypocrite, and I am a hypocrite in a million different ways. But here you are, you're being a hypocrite if you're celebrating Christmas and you don't believe in Jesus Christ. And you can be a fake and you can try to pretend you're doing all that other stuff, but you're still a hypocrite. I'm going to let that just lay simmer. Get people mad at me. Because I want to make sure they're, they're busy typing on their keyboard. Being mad at me. Get mad at me. I'm going to stand with this book right here. I'm getting about sick and tired of it, driving around and seeing them try to take Christ out of Christmas. They put Xmas up there. God forbid! God forbid if you're a Christian using Xmas, taking Christ out. God forbid. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just love you. Father, I know I'm getting overzealous, Lord God, but I love you. I'm zealous for your word, Lord. I'm zealous for your people, Father. I'm zealous for the truth and Father, I just want to see people saved, Lord. I want people to have what I have, Lord, that joy and that peace that passeth all understanding, Lord. And I know I never had it before you. And since I've known you as my Lord and Savior, Jesus, it's been wonderful. And I've gone through some dark times. I've gone through some bad things. And, uh, Lord, you've always been there with me. You've always given me joy and peace. And, Lord, anytime I've done something messed up and I've messed up a million times, Lord, you've always received me back. You've always forgiven me. You've always cleaned that slate and made me feel clean, Lord. It's just... It's a wonderful thing to be a Christian, Lord, and I can't thank you enough for allowing me to call you Father 
and for you to look at me as a son, Lord. If there's somebody who needs the sound of my voice that doesn't know that relationship and wants to have it, I'm praying, Lord, as we give the invitation, they'll come on down and get saved. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now that's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you, and until next time. Casting all your care upon
on him.